Clubhouse. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you? Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family-friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 16 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Tonight we're talking about the Rankin and Bass Christmas classic, question mark? (laughs) 1970s stop-motion animation TV special, Santa Claus is coming to town. Not coming. No, no. no. I noticed that. (laughs) I like a title that uses an apostrophe. Makes me feel folksy. Very folksy. Yeah. Folksy. So, like I said, this was a Rankin and Bass. So it was actually directed by Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass, the Rankin and Bass of Rankin and Bass. Uh, And it was written by Romeo Mueller, who was like a Rankin and Bass holiday special guy he did he wrote rudolph he wrote frosty the snowman uh he was prolific uh, especially in his holiday tv specials they're like the majority of his ouvoir were holiday tv specials but caroline what when we were getting ready for this you said that this movie this tv special movie had Mm -hmm. specific vibes what did you say uh this movie had vibes of for you well i had a couple vibes but a big one for me was wizard of oz would it surprise you to know that romeo uh romeo mueller it's either Mueller or i'm gonna go with Mueller because i don't think actually (laughs) is i don't think it's Mueller because it's m-u-l-l not m-u-e-l-l anyway so would it surprise you to learn that romeo Mueller, uh in the course of his career wrote two different animated specials around wizard of oz not even a little bit that doesn't shock me he did a return to oz uh animated special in 1964 and sometime in the 1980s he did a dorothy in oz animated special so here were a couple little nuggets in case you guys didn't see it and this is just my own eyes so if you guys didn't see it okay or if I'm just reading into it, sorry about that. But things like the trees coming alive and grabbing a hold of Chris Kringle, that was totally Wizard of Oz. The soldiers' uniforms and everything, I know that they're both very like World War, I'm going to say one, even though I know they look very Nazi-esque. Both like the Burgermeisters and then looking at the soldiers that work for the Wicked Witch of the West. I mean, I'll even say that the 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 warlock, like, you know, his sharp features and stuff is very similar to Wizard of Oz, is to uh, Wicked Witch. But then also he has this like magic ability to look in this crystal ball. And in the crystal ball, you have Jessica calling for Chris and him realizing like he needs to go back. That's so Dorothy looking in the crystal ball and realizing she needs to go back because Auntie M's calling for her. It looks identical, that scene. The other Dorothy special that Rob uh, Romeo Muller did was called Dorothy in the Land of Oz. Can I just... In 1980, the subtitle or the alternative title was Thanksgiving in the Land of Oz. Can I just give you the very quick logline? Please. Dorothy is carried back to Oz by a green turkey balloon on the final Thanksgiving she is to spend with her aunt and uncle, who are moving to a retirement community. Whoa. <laughs> sure, sure. Because back then in Kansas, it seems right that they would move to a retirement community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and it was a green turkey balloon. So taking mm-hmm. taking uh, use of the probably first Thanksgiving Day balloon since I believe Wizard of Oz predates the Thanksgiving Day Parade, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade <laughs> by a couple right. of decades. The green uh, hot air balloon, uh, the old green turkey balloon, and how appetizing it when your turkey is green. I know nothing That's gets me psyched so for weird. giblets more than when I have a green turkey balloon. There was a lot of vibes in this. I mean, I also got Chitty Chitty Bang Bang vibes which came out two years before this one the whole like the burgermeister the whole feel of this um you know needing to like take the joy from the children and then you have this these young woman and man needing to go and save the children and everything. there was there was a lot of chitty chitty bang bang up in here 
funny that you said that because again separate when you said i actually didn't pick up on that but when you said that i went and i did a little bit of digging uh the music uh especially certain several of the songs the first toy makers to the king uh put one foot in front of the other which i think is the absolute banger in this uh, special mm. wedding song uh there the backing vocals were when it wasn't they weren't using the westminster children's choir they used the mike sam's singers the Mike Sam singers previously before this were best known for singing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, see? So this was just all like totally just intuition on this one. But here's the other thing. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, they dress up as toys. Like they both dress up as toys to come and infiltrate and basically take down the kingdom. It's a whole thing. Knowing that I am a cinema troglodyte, it should not surprise mm. you that I have not seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Or at you least watch it. Or at least not since I was an age where i'd be able to recall it say what this actually this is I, i've totally missed over how we usually start these yes. uh is this a is santa claus coming to town this 1970 Rankin best is this part of the family's winter wonderland christmas every year kind of watching so here's the funny thing about this one i feel like i know the characters and i know especially the one foot in front of the other song but if you had asked me to like tell the plot of this show i couldn't have told you so it's odd it's like all of it's familiar and yet i didn't know it like when i watched it i was like that's what happens in this movie so i think for me it's just like one of those ones maybe it came on right after rudolph or whatever and it's like maybe we kind of watched it watched it out the side of our eye i don't know but i definitely didn't pick up on much of this one earlier than tonight's viewing so uh, Santa Claus, this Santa Claus is coming to town often g gets packaged together with Frosty the Snowman, mm. which came out in 1969. It comes out the year before this when Rhino, that maker of like off brand soundtracks that other people don't want to make soundtracks of, when they put out in 2002, the soundtrack for this movie, it actually came packaged along with Frosty the Snowman. See, and that makes total sense, right? So it's like one of those things that maybe I've always seen Frosty and then this always came after but i didn't maybe i was already falling asleep as a little one or something i'm yeah. not sure there's just something that i was missing about a lot of this but within pop culture these characters exactly how they looked i was really trying to think to myself if you had asked me a week ago caroline what color was santa claus's original hair i would have been like I don't know. But then white. when I really it's think about been it, white. he was born yeah. as an immortal being with white but the hair. The idea that he's a redhead, I was like, whoa. Yeah, that's very funny. <laughs> that, he's a red, that he's a redhead and that his betrothed is also a redhead. Yeah. With, with some of the most gorgeous eyelashes I've ever seen on a wooden <laughs> puppet in my life. Of Rankin Bass, known for their holiday specials and their claymation holiday specials, this is actually the first one that we have done on this podcast, which I it's didn't realize. Crazy. It's kind of crazy. We're picking this one over, say, Rudolph or Frosty the Snowman, but this is where we're. Well, this is where we are, people. I like that you say snowman. <laughs> snowman. You know. It's like Newman. It's like Frosty and his friends. They're snowmen. The snowmen. He's, he's he's of the snowman family. Dear. Dear. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So so the the stop motion animation. Something I learned. Rankin and Bass. Actually, almost all of their animation, the actual production of their animation, was done in Japan. And the process became known as Animagic, and it actually used either wooden, plastic, or rubber puppets that were posed then and then shot in the stop-motion animation style. But they, yeah, so there are a combination in this film alone. There are a combination of wooden and plastic puppets, and I think there's a couple of models that are actually made of rubber. Um, but yeah. Wow. And you see it. If you, if you know that and then you go back and look, you kind of can see that. Uh, I think a little bit. So there's a lot going on in this one. I there's a lot aesthetically going on. There's a lot going on in this film, yeah. and, and I think we should get into the the pros, the cons, and well, let me ask you real quick: Is this a movie that you grew up with? I knew same as you. I knew parts. Uh, I knew certain of the tropes. I knew Burgermeister, Meisterburger. I knew that character. I think I would have guessed that he had red hair as as a young man. I feel like that I had seen that look. I had definitely seen the character of uh, Special Delivery Kluger, S.D. Kluger, uh, Fred Astaire's voiced character. 
Which can I just pause for just a second? Sure. I only think of Fred Astaire as a dancer. I never think of him as a singer. Am I like just like totally off with that? Uh, no, I, I don't think that's totally off. I mean, he was of a generation where you sang and you danced. Okay, you sang and you danced. Yeah, I got it. Well, the men did anyway. As we learned, sure. like Vera Ellen was a dancer, not much of a singer. Rosemary Clooney, a singer, not much of a dancer. But the okay. guys of the age had to do both. They had a hoof and they had to sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Got it. Yeah, but because but I think same as you though. I mean, I think of Fred Astaire, I think of Ginger Rogers, and I think of them just kind of dancing around each other. Yeah, absolutely. Well, beautiful dancing for sure. Well, you know, but I think you know, Dollars to Donuts, Mickey Rooney is doing more singing in this movie than even Fred Astaire Uh, is. I'm gonna pause there and say, is he really singing or just kind of talking some of those lyrics? Well, that's a singing (laughs) of a style. Yeah, that's a style, all right. I mean. Come Not on. good. I, well, now you're going to force me to do it. <laughs> I was I was holding. I was trying to keep my powder dry, but you, you know, were. But no, you're wetting your powder. I, I, it's my all powder's wet. about to get wet because listen, listen, <laughs> no. listen to no, this. Listen. No, you listen. Why? Why? Look here. Changing from bad to goods as easy as taking your first step. Those horns, baby, I love them. In front of the other. This is the Johnny Cash school of singing. <laughs> it's like talk singing. So here's the thing. This song has infiltrated my family in a way that's every time when we're trying to get ready to go somewhere, my sister sings this song. It has nothing to do with Christmas. She sings it as like a hustle it up song. Like we need to put one foot in front of the other so we can get out the door. But she sings this whole song and she does this like little bent arm kind of like hoedown kind of movement. Like let's get going kind of thing. Oh, I think bent arm hoedown movement is the exact right vibe for this song. For sure, uh, Caroline. Uh, if you listen to what? listen to peak Johnny Cash, he oh, could have done. Cash. He could have done a ver- with the mariachi band sound oh, in the back. You know, it. I love it. We'll see. Okay, so Ring I know Mickey fire. Rooney. <laughs> I know old Mickey Rooney from Peach Dragon as like a singer. So he did a lot in that, and and I love him in that one. He he does a little less talk singing, but the other cool thing is interesting little you know link to judy garland because mickey rooney was constantly paired with her in all of their in their movies there you go yeah um, another 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 there trip to go, us folks. another trip to us yeah so so i knew that i so i knew one foot in front of the other i knew the character of burgermeister meister burger i knew topper oddly enough the penguin topper but that's funny I, if you had asked me all of those different things i don't know i would not have put them to this movie i mm. would have said some from some rankin and bass movie right. you know uh, but no i would not have as a movie I, 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 for what this movie is about that was an origin story it was a musical like no i no it was all brand new information <laughs> to me all right all so together. let's hit some what we liked and what we didn't like about this movie like high points low points what do you want to start with well let's start with the casting i mean because i think okay. I, I think when you have fred astaire and mickey rooney in a movie uh i think you probably have to talk about are they good choices i really really enjoy fred astaire as sd kluger i think he's smooth but i also think he's really good with the kids i like the whole i like how this movie starts with the kid the little kid voices i think is adorable oh wasn't that so peanut special it was very peanut special uh you know and there are some miss uh miss said words that the directors they left in here on purpose because kids say words wrong and so they left those bad takes in there the one kid who says now it's my turn and then he's, know, and he says, oh my so god, it's adorable. But but Fred Astaire, <laughs> I think, handles it with uh, like great aplomb, and and then transitions you into singing, and and really layers in the origin story. I love an origin story. If you know anything about me, folks and fine listeners, please know. Give me an origin story, and I will be your loyal friend forever. I okay. love backstory, and so I actually really enjoyed the special because of. It's whole shtick, the whole gimmick of this is explaining all of these different things about Santa Claus. 
Okay, so I like that as the setup very, very much, but my eyebrow is raised to what the backstory is and how it actually plays out because there's parts to it that I'm okay with and parts to it that I'm like, really? Like, this doesn't jive with me. Yeah, there have been, well, there are parts of this, I think, and uh, that probably haven't terribly aged well. And there are also, yeah. there, I mean, I, I can't believe we're okay at any period of time, honestly. But there are other things too, like I think the late 60s and to the early 70s was just a different time yeah you know where you could burn kids toys in like a bonfire of german german nazi oppression and people were like cool 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 i'm telling you watch shitty shitty bang bang you will be so frightened at what they think the children want to watch as their entertainment and what they do to the children in the movie <laughs> i mean it's it's weird to think about 1970 that's just 25 years after the end of world war ii Okay, so you add that most soldiers are probably in their early 20s, but you're, most of your mid-40-somethings were in World War II or lived through World War II in a very significant kind of way. Their kids are the ones having very young children at this time. Right. The the baby boomer generation are just starting to have kids. My parents uh, would have my oldest sister in 1971. Mm -hmm. uh, you Mine know, was the born in 69. Yeah. So there you go. So that's like the right generation. And I think th there's a lot of that feeling in this movie. I, I think th is. the 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 German accents, the 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 uh, uh, bootstrappers, you know, all of that kind of, uh, you know, not quite SS, you know, knocking in but windows close. and stuff, but pretty close. I mean, they're they're yeah. they're searching houses, seizing toys, burning them as as demonstrations, locking up children, threatening to, you know, really aggressive things that wouldn't fly in 2021, but 1970 Different time, different sensibility, different memory track. Very much so. What, well, what did you think of the casting? Because I don't really know what you're like. You seem to know Mickey Rooney more than I know him, especially oh, from yeah, early. Oh, yeah, Mickey Rooney. Like, especially yeah, younger no. Mickey Rooney. I, like, I feel like I know older Mickey Rooney, not oh, younger. Oh, I know all different age Mickey Rooney. Um, he was a staple. He was one of those actors signed on with the studio, and they just put him in movie after movie after movie after movie. Um, him and Judy Garland were paired up in so many things. There were very few movies available at our library when I was young, and um, all of those types of movies were available. So I've seen lots of him. Always think of him again as dancing, uh, very much so. But uh, but the singing he left a lot to Judy. I mean, you know. So I was kind of a little again like a voiceover actor for him singing. I'm just like okay. I think at this point though, what the deal is is that is he's a super familiar voice in 1970 because he had been in all of those movies before. So all the people would have grown up with his voice in so many different things. So that's where I think. He works the familiarity with him, um, and then let's see who else. How, 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 well, how does he, as, as a person who is into holiday specials, same as I am, person yeah. who is playing Santa, yeah, Santa the young man, Santa, Santa before he said, do, does that feel right to you? Is he voicing? Is he voicing Kris Kringle, uh, who would then become Santa Claus, in a way that makes you feel okay? I mean, like I said, he's familiar. He sounds fatherly to me. So it's okay. I could, do I think they could have done better? Yeah, I probably, I think that they could have done better. I think Fred Astaire makes, I'll be honest, makes no sense. I, I really don't get that. I don't think that he, I gotta think there would have been other people of the time who would have had good singing voices who would have made more sense. Well, I think there's a gravitas to Fred Astaire as SD Kluger that I like and a suaveness, which is weird because you shouldn't want some, uh, a suave man say, answering. Love have what? to do with oh, kids. Oh, 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 okay. Well, well, the, the, the same, the same movie that has this message. If you sit on my lap today, a kiss, a toy is the price you'll pay. When you tell what you wish for in a whisper, be prepared to pay. Mm -mm. Sit on my lap today. A kiss and toy is the price you'll pay. When you sit on my left knee, don't be stingy. Be prepared to pay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, super weird. That's super the movie weird. that's looking for a suave mailman talking to children. Okay, okay. All right, it all makes call. a little more sense now. It does make sense. And of course, you know, we have to remember too that, you know, times have changed and where maybe kids do kind of clamor to say what they want to watch in front of the TV set. Actually, back in like the 60s, 70s, uh, dad would have been saying what could be on the television set. So, I, I feel like there would still be a lot of that, like, well, he knows Mickey Rooney and he knows Fred Astaire. And so those are people that he would be OK hearing. They're of his era. Fred Astaire was was an older man when this came out. So I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm doing the quick math. He's born in 1899. So he's 71. 1899. <laughs> yeah. yeah but not a surprise, though, because that doesn't that track, though? Because then, like I said, like the the dads would have grown up with him. Oh, for sure, they would. They would be. He would be in. Well, this this all tracks him because he's an authority figure for mm-hmm. the the uh, late thirties, forty something dads uh, watching this with their kids. Though I think in nineteen, I think in that time, though, if you were in your forties, your kids were probably close to being fully grown. Even still, though, they are still calling the shots on what's on every single television. For sure, show. for sure. So yeah, that's kind of the main thing for me is like when these things don't make sense of like how would they speak to children? Well, children didn't get to dictate what was on the television set, you know, for the evening. So in the seventies, this would have definitely been dad deciding that this was acceptable or not talk to me about robbie lester she is the voice of miss jessica who then becomes uh mrs santa claus what do you think of her what do you think of the character is she setting back the women's movement <laughs> decades she feels, doesn't she feel a little bit of a ripoff of uh mary and the librarian from music man a little bit a little bit or at least an inspiration i think there's an inspiration She's actually there. her hair is exactly the same as from the movie. So um, it's funny. I don't know. I, I think she's okay. I mean, you know, I, I think that the two of them together, I guess, makes sense. I don't even know. I see. I feel silly. Like, do these two claymation characters make sense together? I don't know. They <laughs> they don't really suss them out that much. So No, and she has a very quick awakening. Uh, oh, goodness, I, I yes. Mean, that, but she needs that, to go find Chris and spend the li- her life with him. My, my world is beginning today. Uh, whoa. <laughs> Uh, that is a trippy song. I had to check. I had to check to see if I had accidentally dropped acid watching it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. That whole portion, I was like, "Where did this part come from?" I think you made a super good point that you and I are watching this on Peacock, which was commercialless, and when it was actually shown on TV when we all would have been little, I guess they took out some of these sections that were a little bit more bizarre for us. So originally airs on ABC on December 14th, 1970. It continues to run on ABC and eventually it moves to freeform in like the 2000s where it continues to run. But it's often there are a couple of scenes that often get replaced. My World is Beginning Today is one of those that gets sacrificed often for ads. The Burning of the Toys is another scene that gets often because it's deemed traumatizing to children. The Even now, actually, the uh, Price You Pay song has been cut also from time to time for quote-unquote ads i can't believe that's a song that still flies in 2021 it's insane i don't get why it needed to fly in 1970 but yeah exactly mm. it's one of the, the the i can that's that's what i was talking about earlier when i said there are certain parts of the show like i can't imagine we're ever okay the whole idea of the don't be stingy come i mean whoa 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 no it's, it's stranger song- danger has been a thing for a lot longer than creepy cancel culture who are you, yeah, no. redheaded guy? I mean, you're 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 no. you're coming in here with your loud Santa Kringle suit. Well, and like back it up even more. He like grew up with all these men, right? And yeah. then he just like shows up in this town and tells all the kids to kiss him. Like, yeah. what is going on with you? <laughs> like, I mean, listen, mm. and, and you know, and people need to have take a closer look at Tanta Kringle and her relationship with her sons. There, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. I have a lot of questions. Child services needs to be brought in. I don't I don't understand the whole thing. But there's a direct line from uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, the 1970 animated special, to the Dana Carvey Sprockets. Uh, oh geez. Uh, uh, you know, uh, a special from you know a recurring skit on SNL in the early 90s. The guy who hosts Sprockets directly influenced by 
somber town at the kringles and burger meister meister burger i, I think okay. i think there's a direct correlation there. <laughs> okay i vibed wizard of oz and chitty chitty bang bang and you got sprockets so I, you're getting yeah. an eclectic mix of povs here y'all uh, the, all the black and the gray and the germanness of it all it's very i totally yeah. thought that that just went back to world war ii like you're saying so too i got know. that whole vibe right i'm, I'm being silly i know you are <laughs> Let's talk about the origin story. It's really layered in in the beginning where SD reads off the several kids' letters. Why do you wear a suit? Why do you live in the North Pole? Why do you have whiskers? Why do you have a sleigh? Why do you have reindeer? All of those questions, and they begin to cascade faster and faster. Those are actually the specific questions that Gant answered throughout the special. Does that work for you? Did you appreciate yes. that kind of narrative approach? Yes, I like the structure very much. Like I said, the concept of it, the way that they presented at the beginning with like this list of questions put forth in front of the audience, like have you always wondered these things about Santa Claus and why it is? I think that it's a great structure. I really like it. It's the execution of different parts of the story where I was like pumping the brakes. Yeah, I like I like the love story. I don't know that you needed to get into a. I don't know that a kid's story about the origin of Santa Claus. Well, you had to make sense of where Mrs. Claus came in. But do you so know? I, I don't know it. that you need to though for no. a kid's special though. I don't know about the Winter Warlock, and I don't know if it had to be. He had to be so mean. horrible. Like, yeah. well, yeah, because he could have been Grinchy, but he didn't have to be horrifying. Like my seventeen-year-old watched it with me, and he was like, seriously, with this guy's face like he wanted to leave like he was like i hate this guy yeah and he was over it no, it's a, severe a severe scary. look severe look and the original voicing of it and keenan wind did the voice of it the before he softens up before he gets his choo-choo train toy and he you know his frozen heart gets melted very severe voice especially when it's paired with the look yeah i don't know i don't know that you needed that i don't know that you needed that kind of approach but i think it ties into the idea of one foot in front of the other which is not uh, to Kim's chagrin is not actually about being on time to places. It's about the ability to change who you are if you don't like who you are, which I think is a worthwhile lesson to try and teach kids that, you know, if you do things wrong, well, you can change it. You're always in the you're, you can always change your behavior. Does that make it better for you? that they made him so severe so that he could have a redemption arc? I think he could have had a redemption arc without being that severe. Like, I think they took it too far. I was thinking to myself, there's a difference between being a classic of a, of a time period, right? Like, oh, well, this is just a classic 70s look or classic because it's really like late 60s when they make it versus it being of the time. So I think it's of the time the way that things are presented to the kids with like the, it looks actually very similar to like um, the way things look on Sesame Street about the same timing in terms of like the, the way that things are drawn and the, and the bright lights and the, and the flashing colors and stuff like that. It's very similar, but it's of the time in that like trippiness and the like, it's like too far. Like they went, they like took it too severe. They started to realize like, you need to soften it up for the kiddos. Like this is too much. I was telling my son, like, I felt like in some way the story was too, was so simple at the beginning. I was like, okay, maybe this is really geared, especially with the little baby voices. I was like, maybe this is really geared for little littles, five-year-olds who start asking, well, why does Santa Claus wear this red coat and blah, blah, blah. And you, and you so you sit them in front of it and then you add in the winter warlock or the burgermaster and you're like, Wait a minute, wait a minute. You need to be much older to handle these characters. So who is this made for? You also need to be older to understand that he grows a beard because he's on the lamb from the law. That's a... <laughs> That's an interesting twist. Right? Why? I mean, men, as they get older, tend to grow beards. I don't know why that had to be the thing versus he was on a wanted poster. I took a snapshot and I put that, t I put it on Twitter while I was watching this that essentially says, Chris Kringle wanted dead or alive. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. What kind of nightmare fuel are we putting out for children? You know, this idea, you and I talked about a very Harold and Kumar Christmas uh, last, at last episode. One of the things that even as grown adults in our 40s that made us win was the idea of shooting Santa. Here, they're putting it on. They're giving a reward out for a bounty on, on young Santa's head. I guess I would grow whiskers too, honestly. I mean... <laughs> It's rough. Well, it's, you know, <laughs> but 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 still wears the red suit. <laughs> well, that's but that's, you know, because he's honoring the Kringle family, though, which is interesting. Sure. No, Wait, Mike, oh, I, he wears the same outfit the entire time, but they don't recognize him because he has a beard. There's a whole ethnicity of people wearing a Kringle suit. <laughs> 
ethnicity. It's just a family. Uh, is it though, or mm-hmm. or are there a lot of denizens <laughs> of the Rainbow Valley? <laughs> I don't. Know. I don't. That Tanta. I don't know. I think maybe she had more what kids. What is we happening didn't get to... with Tanta? Yeah, I, I don't think know. Tanta maybe had a little had a secret family that we didn't get to see in this. Okay, I want you to tell me three things that work for you in this in this movie, and I'm going to tell you three things that work for me. I love the origin story. I overall really I like the concept. I actually like a lot of the answers. I think like things like why he uses the chimney versus the door. I don't think it's great for him to go around telling the kids to leave their doors unlocked. I'm kind of happy that Burgermeister made everyone lock the doors. Um, but I like that we got an explanation and it came from a penguin. I like the magic corn. Why do reindeer fly? Because they eat magic corn. That actually makes a lot of sense to me. I laughed out loud when someone brings up Rudolph and SD stops and says, nope, that's a different story. Made me laugh out loud. (laughs) Really, really enjoyed that. I like a lot of the songs. I really like One Foot in Front of the Other. And I love Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And I like that they layer in different parts as if he's writing the song as the movie goes on. He's coming up with different parts of the song uh, lyrics wise as he's uh, going about his day. Okay, so some things that I liked about it. So I like the idea of an origin story, and I like how they set it up with the structure of the kids' questions at the beginning. I like that they went into some of the smaller details, like how did we get to the North Pole? Like, why did we end up building a whole land there? Like, what what was that about? I like this idea that they were like toy makers who didn't have kids to give the toys to. Bad business model, questions though. Bad I never... business model. <laughs> questions I didn't know needed answers were kind of mixed in there because I never thought about like, why would like where did this even start like why did santa claus ever get even mixed in with toys why toys why not something else right so so all of that was interesting the music like i said i i'm sucked in by the specific one foot in front of the other love that okay so my biggest biggest thing that i completely liked and it's like the big blaring thing is i loved at the very end when they said we all try to if we all try to be a little more like santa learn to give like santa give of ourselves our talents our love and our hearts they didn't say presents and they didn't say toys and that made me happy because if you really kind of like turn it a little bit it was really that these elves had these talents to make the toys and but they just happened to be toys so it was that they were giving of their talents that were supposed to be focused in on and that was a fresh take for me that i liked i i know people who have been listening to this podcast may think that i am going to seize and jump up and down on the emphasis on presents here but like you I'm not. It works for me in this because the presents are being given as an expression of his joy and love. They're not the ends in of themselves. It's just what they have available to show their affection. You know, I think if they were bakers, he would be delivering cookies to everyone or cakes to everyone. It happens to be toys. And so that's what he grew up becoming. He became a toy maker because that was the family he was adopted into. This is the message that you're talking about. I was going to play it at the end, but we'll play it now because I think it's actually worth talking about before we get into things that we didn't like. Poor misguided folks. They missed the whole point. Lots of unhappiness? Maybe so. But doesn't Santa take a little bit of that unhappiness away? Doesn't a smile on Christmas morning scratch out a tear crying on a Saturday? Not much, maybe. But what would happen if we all tried to be like Santa and learned to give, as only he can give, of ourselves, our talents, our love, and our hearts? Maybe if we could all learn Santa's beautiful lesson. Maybe there would finally be peace on earth and goodwill toward man. Ooh, they're hitting all the good themes there. They're hitting a lot of the good Christmas themes, Caroline. They super did. And that that was a whole moment. Like, I actually stopped, rewound it, wrote it down. Like, I was like, oh, that's it. And that's something that you and I have been searching in this podcast to try to define something other than toys, other than tangible gifts. How else can you explain giving during Christmas time. And I think those couple sentences about giving of yourself, giving of your talent, giving your love, giving your heart, those were things that were like, there's a lot of families who may not have ever been able to explain it in those terms. You know, like this isn't about a present. This is about giving of yourself in some way. And I think that was a very beautiful moment. There's an unexpected religious aspect to this special 
that creeps in at the very, very end when Santa has become so popular, this gift giving, the, the present giving has grown so worldwide, much like uh, Pitbull. He can no longer, he is Mr. Worldwide. He can I, no I longer do I it more than once. i to myself. He, so he picks a night, uh, one night a year that he's going to deliver all of the presents. They say it's the most holy night of the year. So, of course, you pick Christmas Eve. And you had the little Muppet come in and say, Christmas Eve? And uh, SD is like, of course, Christmas Eve, the most holiest of nights. Yeah, so you have like this religious thing, but there's a, there is a Jesus implication in, in SD's speech about we should all strive to give and love as Santa gives in love. Well, if you all, any Christians out there have been to church, you switch out Santa for Jesus, and that's very similar to the kind of homilies you're going to get in church on any given Sunday, is we should all strive to love and give of ourselves as Jesus loved and gave of ourselves. Really unexpected twist with a religious aspect at the end of the movie, but it works for me. I mean, I think it's a part of the season. Well, they layered in some other parts there, too. I mean, they said, again, the reason why we give gifts is because the wise men. The reason why it's on Christmas Eve is because that's the di- that's the night full of the most love. Things like that. You're like, OK, OK, I see where they're linking Santa Claus back in with the religious portions. Like, OK, all right, that works. More like a happy coincidence of of the events lining up together. But, the, but you know, while we're here, hey, there are parallels here and we should recognize them. No way, them. no way. I disagree with you. No, 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 no. They picked those things because of the Bible. They picked presents to give to each other because the wise men did. It, does, it doesn't accidentally coincide. They picked Christmas Eve as their night, their one night to do the presents because Jesus being born that night means it's the most loving night of all. So isn't that a coincidence? No, I agree with you. But meaning that up until that point, he had been delivering presents on a regular basis all the time. So when he had to stop, he had to go and choose, I guess, a night. So not that it was a coincidence, but Kris Kringle hadn't been delivering toys. He didn't have a a, a thriving need to deliver toys to Sombertown because he was trying to live in Jesus's image. He was just trying to bring joy to kids' lives via these toys that him and his Kringle family had made. It's only at the end that the religious aspect pairs up with the Santa story. It's not the it's sense. not it's not the motivating factor for ninety percent of the story. Not at the beginning, for sure. Right. But it's something that, you know, as we get older, though, not uncommon as we get older and we begin to think about larger concepts as we are looking at life differently than we do when we're in our uh, as we're kids and then in our early 20s. Not really surprising that an older Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus would be looking for a little bit different meaning for why they do what they do. I, it really worked for me. I'm not I'm not criticizing it. I actually really enjoyed it. It was just a surprise to me because other than the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and we talked about it in that episode, all of these holiday specials go out of their way most of the times to avoid any religious connotation or aspect to it. You, right. you very rarely hear about Jesus and the Bible. It, it's it's taboo often in these specials. So this is really only the second time in 16 weeks that we've been doing this now where this has come up. That's kind of crazy, but it made me like it, though. Yeah, I agree with that. I, d- I definitely agree. Let's get into some things that that made us take pause. Sure. It sounded like you were giving uh, when you were giving your list of things that you like that you had a, a matching uh, a corollary well, there. Okay, so, I want so you the to go origin first. story stuff, like when I was getting into that, I felt like. You know, the baby being like shot off into the darkness kind of thing where he just kind of ends up with the elves. That is a scary concept. I think it's weird. I I think it's super duper weird. Uh, You're forgetting where the animals kidnap the infant. Yeah, no, all of it. All of it is weird. I, I thought that that was strange and they didn't need to do it that way. Same with, again, like way too many scary aspects. Way too much. Like at one point they actually yell, arrest the children. <laughs> what are we talking about? Like this is so odd. So I I thought there was like too many themes. And I'm not being like overly sensitive. If people are like listening right now and they're like, oh, you're using a 2021 lens. I'm really not. I really think that like most people, if you sat down and watched this, you'd be like, 
arrest the children. And I was thinking to myself, why is this town so messy that children have like toys at the end of like the city hall stairs or whatever? Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is so weird. So there were a lot of parts to that that I was like, this is just too much. And the scary factor, it was way too high, way, way, way too high. They could have taken all of it down a couple of notches and they still could have had similar characters, but they didn't have to be this severe. That was my probably my biggest knock against it. The language in the in the lyrics too, same. You could have had similar ideas, you know, but like I get the idea of that give and take. If Santa Claus gives you a present, you know, there should be some sort of give and take. I get it. But the going to this kissing thing and all this like, oh, weird, 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 weird. It should have been like pay it forward. Like if you get a present from Santa, you should do something nice for someone else. Like pay it forward, you know, but it got weird, right? Well, yeah, because I, I, listen, I, I, as a kid, I sat on Santa's lap in the mall. My son was never a big fan of it, but when he was super young and he didn't have a choice, it was a thing he did. I don't remember kissing Santa as ever being one of the requirements. They could have just stopped at whisper in my ear what you want. That's the origin story you need to why why do kids when they sit on Santa's lap whisper in his ear instead of just say it out loud? Well, it's the kind of same reason that you don't tell your wish when you blow out your birthday candles, right? You, you have to keep it kind of secret as to ensure that it comes true. I did not like that song. I did not like the message of it. Am I applying a 2021 lens? Maybe, but I am who I am. And if I had had a kid in 1970, I would have said when that went to commercial, I would have turned to them and been like, do not kiss Santa Claus. Do not kiss Santa Claus if you come upon him. If he demands a kiss from you in order to get a toy, you leave, you come find me or your mother. Do not kiss Santa Claus. That's who I am. That's not a 2021 lens. I don't like how dark it is. It really, really tilts into some too much themes for me the burning the toys the arrest the children the gestapo nature of of burgermeister and his and his you know secret police army i don't like the winter warlock at the beginning i think it's weird yeah those are the big things that like i really don't like i like that they talk about why he has to go to the north pole really it's kind of to get out of somber town and it's to you know go far away and so they can have room to build but listen to this clip (laughs) <laughs> Listen to this clip. This is it, people. <laughs> yes, this is it. We'll build ourselves a nice house. <laughs> Heck, <laughs> while we're at it, we'll build ourselves a castle <laughs> and the best toy factory in the world. He sounds insane. He sounds, he sounds super insane. He sounds super <laughs> insane. <laughs> when they made the castle with the flags and stuff on it, I was like, what? <laughs> like, it's not supposed to be Santa Claus's kingdom. I never thought of it like that. I think, and it, it was intentional because it comes up a couple of times. One of the kids is like, that's why he has a castle. I don't remember Santa having a castle. <laughs> I always thought he just lived in like really complex igloos. Like a little cottage kind yeah, of situation. Like a, yeah, like a, like a witch structure over there where the elves made the toy. Yeah. He kind of lived in like a really fancy igloo or not a castle, maybe <laughs> not like a, a castle, not, no. maybe, maybe like a little like a Cape cottage or something like that, but not a castle. <laughs> yeah, uh, that like, was odd. He sounds insane. He's he I'm worried about his mental health. If I am Miss Jessica and the animals, I'm like, <laughs> maybe we should much like Dorothy's parents move you into a retirement home. Santa. <laughs> That's funny. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting is how many little nuggets of this movie have have actually endured the idea of the magic uh, reindeer feed. That's something I don't know if you remember this and or if they do it. We live in different parts of the country. So I don't know if our listeners realize that. But down here, it's very popular for like preschoolers to come home with like a little baggie of reindeer feed at like Christmas time to feed like you're supposed to sprinkle it out in your yard on Christmas Eve for them to be able to eat and has like glitter and oatmeal in it, like dry oatmeal. Um, I'm familiar it's, it's with reindeer feed. I, I am familiar with that i don't remember it ever being magic the reason they can fly yeah no that was the whole thing i know i I thought it was just the same way you leave santa cookies you would leave feed for the reindeer so they weren't lonely glitter in it i think that actually helped the flying Uh, to be fair i don't can't remember ever actually using (laughs) it myself 
Oh, um, I've poured it all over the yard. It's a whole thing. So, but the interesting thing is that I do actually think that that probably comes from this. Like, it makes sense that this is an origin story for this idea of some sort of magic feed that the reindeers need. Like, because there could be a bunch of things. The reindeers could be a special species or they could have been, you know, touched by a magic. Yeah. But no, no, no. The idea that like we still continue to think we need to feed them and somehow that's going to help the whole magic happen. That's from this. Yeah, for sure. And this, it was a great answer to something that I never really thought about. I just always assumed that Santa's reindeer were a magic breed of reindeer. It never occurred to me that there, it was because of their feed that they uh, could fly. So I really liked that. That was one of the kind of origin story reveals. I really liked a lot of the origin story reveals. I really enjoyed them. It was by far my favorite thing of the movie was the origin story and the certain reveals. All of them made me amused. The idea of hiding. Why do we, why do we put presents in socks? Uh, I don't know. I've always thought that was weird. I thought that was weird since I was a kid. I think it's weird as an adult. Why? Well, because there were German Gestapo that were going to steal your toys. You had to hide them somewhere. All right, cool. I love that. Give me an answer. I appreciate that. This movie's wild, Caroline. It is absolutely wild. It is. It is. So what do you think, though, Mike? We always ask every time, is this a Christmas movie? Let's just answer that straight out. Absolutely. Go ahead. Do you even have to defend it? I mean, really? I don't think so. I think it's on its face. (laughs) It is the origin story of Santa, a man devoted to bringing joy to others, particularly children, as an expression of his love for humanity, trying to bring peace into the world, goodwill towards men. It's literally the definition of, of what Christmas is about. I agree. It's totally a Christmas movie. Okay, so then are you ready to move into to some fast facts? I am. I don't have a ton of fast facts about this one. This movie That's is- okay. We'll just bop back and forth here. Let's go. Go for it. Okay, so when Chris gets captured by the trees, for three frames, a man's arm and a flashbulb could be seen right when the flash occurs, before the Winter Warlock appears. This was fixed on later broadcast and DVD releases, but you could see it at the beginning. I love that. I love that. You know what? That's again, though, doesn't that remind you of Wizard of Oz when there's like a peacock in the background and the whole trees in that whole scene? Uh, that's not the... That was like the scene you're supposed to be like trying to look for extra stuff in the background. I that's... know, but weird. Well, yeah. Don't I, say it. Yeah, I, I'm know? not going to say it, but you it's know what peacock. I'm looking for. It's yeah. just a peacock. Uh, <laughs> uh, Fred it is. is. <laughs> Fred Astaire would go on to return as Postman S.D. Kluger, Special Delivery Kluger, in the 1977 Rankin-Bass Holiday Special. The Easter Bunny is coming to town. Not coming, coming to town. <laughs> I, I really do like that. It is funny. Um, when the children are naming off the sand, Santa's reindeer, one of them refers to Blitzen as Blister, which is super cute. And they did not correct it because it is so much more common for young kids to mispronounce the names. I mean, Blitzen is a bizarro name. Blister makes more sense. I got I, the the Rudolph joke in that scene made me laugh out loud. It really did. Like I watched this, my mouth agape at some of the crazy things that we were seeing, but that actually made me severely laugh. <laughs> For some reason, though, the penguin was named Topper in the script. There mm-hmm. were later broadcast versions, Caroline, that changed his name to Waddles. But then it was changed back again. No one, I guess no one knew why someone changed to Waddles for a certain broadcast. But <laughs> after a while, someone was like, that's not his name. His name is Topper. And it, and it was reverted back correctly to, to Topper. So Waddles was the name of the Penguin for a limited amount of time. MGM Records issued a soundtrack album from the special in 1970, pressed in limited quantities as a promotional tool for radio station DJs, all with orange and black promo stickers on the back cover intrigue and the score has since been reissued on cd but the vinyl remains one of the most rare and most prized christmas collectibles of all time so if you ever run across that guys in a record shop snatch it up yeah, I'm going to be, you know, you know, I'm starting to collect vinyl now. It's a new you hobby. are. Keep it. Keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> I'm keeping my peepers peeled. You know, I haven't I haven't really delved into Christmas vinyl yet because this Christmas coming up will be my first one with a record player. So uh, oh. my first time with a record player in a long time. So, yeah, you know, I'm going to be peeping for that because people don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go hit, you know, go hit some like yard sales in like the summertime. Yeah. When, when nanas are trying to get rid of like their kids' stuff. Estate yeah. sales, whatnot. Sorry, Nana. Mickey Rudy would later go on to reprise his role as Santa Claus in two more Rankin-Bass specials, The Year Without Santa Claus, 1974, and Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July from 1979. Uh, there, there's a scene, Caroline, where Burgermeister, Meister Burger, he accidentally sits on a toy soldier's bayonet. 
you know, bayonet's mm-hmm. got a little sword on the end of the gun. I do. Uh, in the next scene, Burgermeister, he's seen with a pillow strapped to his butt. Oh, no. <laughs> he got pokey pokey in his hiney hiney. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's terrible. I think it's time to start thinking about our Jingle Bell ratings. And while we do that, how about I play you a clip from next week's movie? Please do. I will. I don't think I can do this sober. You guys want to get drunk at the food court? Ooh, yeah. I do this how I like. I'm D-bo. I feel like a giant stress ball from like November to New Year's. Yeah. I spend months picking out the perfect present for everyone. You know the only thing I get in return? Coupons for free back rubs. That's not okay. Bad back rubs. <laughs> well, those sound like moms to me, but I don't know exactly what movie this is. It is 2017's A Bad Mom's Christmas. <laughs> nice. Okay. So this is going to be a very different one from our 1970s Santa Claus is coming to town. I'm, I'm keeping everyone on their toes. <laughs> keeping everyone. Sure we're, we're going claymation special to Bad Mom's getting drunk at the food court, people. You nice. never know. You never know. All, All right, right Mike, Caroline. I'm making you go first on I the Jingle Bells first this last time. Week. No, no, I had to go first well, last week. No, no. I went first last week because you wanted to keep the sanctity of your rating. <laughs> okay. I am going to give Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Coming. Yep. Seven Jingle Bells. I'm giving them seven because I think 100% it is a Christmas movie without a doubt. However, I think it's (laughs) of a time. I think it's of a time and a specific time and place that I do not think that this translates very well in 2021. And I don't really think that you could put any kid in front of it and not expect to get a gajillion questions. And I think some nightmares that evening as well. So I, I think for me, I got to put it in the vault for like classic movies that, that were out there, but maybe have had its time. I am giving this a seven Jingle Bells also. In the same way, I really liked the very Harold and Kumar's Christmas last week. And I said, you know, if I was ever to do one of those 25 days of Christmas movies like Freeform does and other channels do where you play Christmas movie or holiday special every day, very Harold and Kumar would be part of that list as of right now. This will not be. It is undoubtedly a Christmas movie. It is it is chucked to the brim with Christmas themes. I just did not particularly like it enough to rate it any higher in Jingle Bells. As much as I like the origin story aspect of it, I thought it was too dark. I thought some of the songs were too weird or too inappropriate. This is on the same level as the score I gave Polar Express. I also gave a seven. And actually Bad Santa, which I also gave a seven. All three of which... Uh, well, Bad Santa, less of a Christmas movie, but I like that more. Polar Express and this, definitely Christmas movies. I just didn't like them very much. So. Yeah, I think this is one of those movies that I, it's so familiar that I think at first people might stomp their feet at our Jingle Bell ratings and be like, you guys, you don't even know. But I challenge you guys to actually sit down and watch this movie. Don't rely on your memory. Don't don't try to think, no, no, no. I know this movie. I know it's it's in my it's in my childhood memories. Okay. Sit down and watch it now. And I guarantee you, you will not want to sit down with your family and watch nope. it. it. It's nope. too much for me. I, I don't think that you're gonna end up <laughs> laughing and joking together. <laughs> you're gonna be making a lot of eyebrows. I wish that they could redo it in a way with more thoughtfulness but in a way this is just like a relic this is like a museum piece this is something that you go back and you look at it and you appreciate it for what it is and there it stays that takes us to the end of another 52 weeks of christmas thank you so much for joining us for these first 16 weeks we're more than i don't know actually is 16 16 that's like hard math i can't do those maths Mm. We've got a lot of weeks to go with you guys, and so we're super excited to do it while Mike figures out that math and tells us next week. This is Caroline. (laughs) This is Mike. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave us a five-star rating if you can. If not, we'll arrest your children. Have a good one! (laughs) Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.